morning, and we're going to talk about the two witnesses at work. Amen? Now, just to bring everybody up to speed, um, the word two witnesses does appear in the Bible. But it doesn't like you want like for it to do is stop after that word and tell us what they are. We need to search the word out and find out who are these two witnesses. Well, we have done that several times in our ministry over the decades we've been here and doing what we do for the Lord, right? And is there anybody here that does not know who the two witnesses are? I wouldn't think so. No, it's the Word and the Spirit. The Word of God and the Spirit of God are the two witnesses, okay? Now that, I can, yeah. On the Mount of Transfiguration and different, yeah. But the two witnesses from the Scripture, as we've studied it out, and we can go back and take another two or three services to, to prove it again, but just to bring it up to speed and let you know, the two witnesses is God's word and God's spirit. He left those two behind when Jesus went to heaven. He sent his spirit and he left his word so that we would know how to walk and talk and live as Christians. The two witnesses are what's going to keep us on the pathway that God wants us to be on. All right, so when I refer to the two witnesses, I'm referring to God's Word and God's Spirit. They work in tandem. One never uh, disagrees with the other. They always agree in everything they do. Right? So you're not, so I, I know. So I read in the Bible it says, well, does the Spirit of God agree with that? All. No, well then maybe you need to go back and put it in its context, restudy it, and ask the Spirit of God to interpret what the Word of God says there. Or the Spirit of God showed me. Well, does the Bible back it up? Well, that's how they work together. That's what the Word and Spirit is without me preaching two or three hours on it. But I'm just kind of going to take it for granted because I have spoken on it so much and I understand that in the world... In the Christian world even, they don't understand what that is. And of course, I know a lot of it has come from evangelists or preachers or people that spoke out of the word, uh, the book of Revelation and tried to take it literal. But uh, it's not a literal something, it's a spiritual something. And God wants us to know that his word and his spirit is our guide. All right, there's the message. That's less than 10 minutes. No, I'm not I just want no, I just want to make sure that when I preach on the two witnesses, I'm not hitting anybody from the blind side. All right, now let's go to the word in prayer. Father, we thank you again for your goodness. Uh, Father, we know that we've seen your spirit move in many ways this weekend, and yet this is another day, a day where we can glorify you and use, Father, what you put in our lives to bring uh, glory and honor to you because our worship is what you desire. So as we come together as your people today, may we open our minds to the word of God, understand the teachings that's in it that will help us and guide us, and just be with us in every way this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. So the two witnesses are at work, God's word and God's spirit. 
They're never going to return void in what God has told them to bring to us. Now this is an ongoing message. If I would have taught this same message 20 years ago, it would have been applicable to that day because the Holy Spirit and the Word of God was just as alive 20 years ago or 100 years ago or 1,000 years ago as they are today. And we know that they're working in our lives to make us the people we want to uh, be for God. So if we had seen it a long time ago, you would have found out that the truth is what the Word of God and the Spirit of God is designed to bring to us that will keep us where we need to be. Because the truth a thousand years ago is the same truth we know today. Truth never changes. Amen? Amen. It's, if it was true back then, it's still true. Amen? So we have to be... Now, our understanding can be wrong. We can get misunderstandings and we can get wrong teachings and we can be taught different and we can... But truth is always truth. Amen. But in the world and the devil, they have been so bold and brazen that the things the two witnesses have spoken to the hearts of all people seemingly have lost the impact they once had. All right? When it comes down to sin and truth, they're at opposite ends of the spectrum. When it comes down to righteousness and unrighteousness, they're at opposite ends of the spectrum. When it comes down to love and hate, they are two different directions. So when we read the Word of God, we want you to keep that in mind, and I want to read to you from John, the 15th chapter. And I'm going to read through the portion of Scripture here, down through verse 27. It says, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth, keeps on hating you. That's what E-T-H on the end of any word you read means it's continuous. Not only do the world hate you now, they're going to hate you two months from now and two years from now. They're just going to keep on hating you. Now he's talking here specifically on his last day of life on earth to his disciples. He's given them this final warning. He goes from when he finishes this red letter talking in Matthew 14, 15, 16, and 17, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane where he is rested and crucified. Okay, so this is his final address to his disciples. And he says, verse 20, Remember that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute also, or also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they'll keep yours too. But all things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they've not known him that sent me. Who sent him? His heavenly Father. Amen. Now, Jesus didn't do anything to get a pat on the back. He didn't do any miracles for himself. All he did in his 33 years on this earth was what his father told him to do. Amen? And if you don't know God, 
you're never going to understand Jesus nor what his ministry was on this earth. All right, verse number 22. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin or no covering for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. You can't separate Jesus from God. They're the same, or the Father, or the Creator, or however you want to slice it and dice it as the Word of God brings it to you. But this cometh to pass, that the Word, that's one of the, the two witnesses, might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter, that's the second half of the two witnesses, is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. All right. So Jesus gives us what we need to know here. So when it comes down to what the... Uh, the witnesses, two witnesses have to do for us, we're either going to be obedient to those two witnesses or we're going to reject what the Word of God and Spirit of God teach us. And it ultimately is going to come down to heaven or hell. Amen? That's after the final judgment. There's no other course we can look. But life is full of choices. Amen? I'm amazed how many times a day the word hate is either used or demonstrated. Man, we live in a terrible world when it comes to people spreading hate and frustration in every direction. You can't even turn the TV on without seeing it. I mean, you can't even watch a newscast. Of course, I'm under, I'm under the understanding that bad news sells. So they're not going to give you good news. Amen. Don't turn on the, the TV or any of the, the news channels and expect to see the, a group of people hugging one another and praising God because ten people just got saved. That's just not going to happen. But now if one of them tries to stab another one, it'll make front page news. Amen. That's just the way it is. Amen. I personally, I believe the best way for the devil to get us to hate is by the old trick he's used for thousands of years called division. If he can divide us, he can put hate in either one side or the other because we don't agree with them and or they don't agree with us. So naturally, he can divide and make that wedge come between us and that's where hate can take seed. Amen? If he can divide us, Hate will try to grow through that division. Now, Jesus tells us in his word, and that's one of the two witnesses back in verse number 18, that if the world hate you, and they 
They probably do. Because we've divided ourselves from the world. Amen? They hated Jesus first. Do you know if the world hates you because of your stand as a Christian, you need to wear that as a badge of honor. Notice, in these scriptures, as I read down through here, how many times are study words appear? And in this case, you need to see how many times the word if appears. We're going to find out later how many times the word but appears. Those are two of our study words. If means it's conditional. Amen? So the reality in the 21st century is not if the world hates you, if you're a Christian, but when the world hates you. It's a sure thing. Amen. If you're walking in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, they're not going to be happy. There's going to be division. There's going to be problems, and it's going to fester and show itself many times in hatred. Amen? So don't think about, well, if the world hates me. No, it's when the world hates you is when what's going to actually be taking place. Just in case you didn't know it, the world hates you if you dare to be anything like Jesus Christ. Amen? Because the scripture says the world hated him first. Amen. But verse 19 says, Now if you were of the world, the world would love you. Huh. You know, under, under why so many people are collapsing under the pressure of being a Christian and going back to the world? They get tired of fighting hatred. Well, I'll just join them. Amen. I'll just go to their parties with them. We'll just celebrate all weekend. Amen. We don't need to go to church. That stuff's not really important. We'll just do it our way. Well, uh, if the world loves you, you're probably in trouble with God. Amen? Amen. I know that's the temptation and the lure of the world as the world wants you to win you over to their team so they can use you to love the way they love. But love of the world means you must be divided from the truth that the two witnesses want you to have. The truth is what we need to be looking for. Amen? Twenty years ago, preachers would tell congregations not to love the world and don't listen to the devil. But most of the people went from church home and turned on their TV and watched and listened to the devil in living color. Amen. They thought, well, I'm in the privacy of my own home. I'm not hurting anybody else. It's just me, just my family. And if it's bad, I got a remote. I can change it. Well, the world got a foothold there. And it has really caused issues in the church. Amen. Now that we're wise to that trick, we use the remote to change the channel. But because we're entertained by some kind of entertainment, and yet our kids don't like the same entertainment we like. Amen. You can watch, uh, uh, what's the one? I'm trying to think. Lowry sings with them. What's the group? I'm, I'm talking about the 
Gaithers. Couldn't think of the Gaithers. It went, it went All right, you can watch the Gaithers on TV and be blessed. Amen. But guess what? Your children probably aren't going to sit there and watch that with you. You know, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to kind of wander to their own bedrooms and they're going to get on the computer or the Xbox or an iPhone or electronic books of some kind and they're going to be taught the hatred that the world's trying to promote. Amen. It's going to be subtle. I've watched even uh, Marco and Nolly, Julie's two little kids. They've got the book thing. What do you call it? It's an electronic book, whatever. I don't know what. Is that what it is? All right. And, and some of the things I watch them on there, I can see where the seed of the world is being planted through those programs they're watching on there. And yet they think it's entertainment. Amen. I got to tell you, I shocked a lot of pastors in a, in a minister's meeting when they were, uh, we were talking and uh, just casually, and they were talking about, oh, I wish my church had X number of people in it, and I'm so envious of the big church. And I said, well, that's fine. And I, and, uh, I said, uh, but I'm trying to remember all the names in the small congregation I have, and that's a job for me. But I said, you know why those churches are so big? It's because all they want to do is entertain. People go to be entertained. They don't go to worship. Now, I'm not broad brushing them, and I'm sure there's some good people in there. Amen. Otherwise, they wouldn't get out of bed and put on their best clothes to go to those places. But for the most part, I can tell you that because I've got family that go to those kind of churches. They go in. They invite us, and we've been there for specials, services, Christmas or whatnot. We go there, and they walk through these thousands of people, and ain't nobody knows them. And they claim they're part of that church. Amen. I even asked them one time, what's the pastor's name? They didn't know. Now, if you go to church, one guy you should probably know his name, or one woman... Whoever's in charge is the senior. You ought to know who the senior pastor of the church is. In case you don't know, I'm dude. All right? Amen. Amen. So on the, if you're going to go to church and say, oh, I'm a part of Faith Christian Fellowship, and somebody says, who's the pastor? Don't say Bonnie. Well, she's the Holy Spirit behind the pastor. No, no that's a joke we tell, but no. You should know. But there are people that go to church and, and I've talked to them. What's the pastor? I don't know. Amen. Some of the biggest churches around. The pastor's in another town preaching to that congregation on a TV screen. Hmm. I don't know how that works. Oh well. Whatever it takes. Amen. Have you noticed how, in, how interested most people are in bad news and gossip? Man, if you want to get their attention, just mention some bad news or some gossip. Did you hear about? Man, you've got them on the tip of their toes. Their ears perk up. They want to hear the bad news and gossip of the world around them. Amen. Let me give you an example. If you want to adopt a pet, what images do they put on TV to get you to adopt a pet? 
the nice, cute, little fuzzy dogs that are just licking your palm and want to just cuddle up? No. They show you the ones that you can count every one of their ribs. Everyone, their heads is dropped down and as they walk, they limp and stumble and carry on. They show you the most pitiful cat or dog you ever saw in your life. They're scared, they're starving, they're neglected animals. Yeah. And then they plead for you to send money to them so that they can save all these animals. Isn't money always seemingly the bottom line to every problem? Well, I just wonder uh, how many of those animals really could take that money and go to Kroger and get them some dog food. Those animals don't care about money, but that's what they put out there. Just send us $19 a month and we'll take care of all these pets. Yeah, well, I can tell you the truth. Those dogs and cats don't get a dime of it. Amen? And they're being used to paint a picture in your mind about the bad animal owners. And you should hate those people for how bad they treat those animals. Well, that's just the way they sow that seed. Amen? And some people have dogs. And they chain them to a box in the back of their yard. And when it rains, they get rained on. And when it snows, they get snowed on. And when it comes time to give them something to eat, they just throw whatever they got out in the mud. And they're not really good, what I would call, pet owners. But it's not my job to hate them for it. But I do appreciate, if you would, the SPCA that I can call and say, their dog's being abused. And they'll take care of that problem. You see, in verse 20, Jesus said, Remember the word that I said unto you. Amen? Well, what is that word? That we're the servants and he's the Lord. That's what he says in verse 20. We need to make sure we get that right. Amen? And the servant is not greater than his Lord. Amen? So if they persecute, there's another if, if they persecuted me as the Lord... What are they going to do to you servants? Hmm? Yeah. They're going to let you have it too. Amen? Well, we understand those things. The servant, that, uh, that's us. And the greater one is Christ. And the words that he gives us is from his father. So how the major attitude is that Jesus' word has become Jesus' opinion. I don't know how that happened, but that's what a lot of people think. Jesus was a good man. Jesus was a good teacher. Jesus was a good prophet. No, Jesus is the Son of God. And he walks in the perfect will of his heavenly Father his whole time on earth. Amen? Many times, while we pause to say grace for the food that God's provided us in a meal... Others are ready to, already eating the biscuits and ordering a second helping while we're still praying. It's a shame, but prayer is no longer seemingly looked at as something positive in a Christian's life. Amen? It's not accepted as a good thing to do. Way too many people are busy 
asking about God's opinion and what the next step in their life should be, but they've already made up their mind before they even think about asking God about it. But the Word of God and the Spirit of God will clearly give us a picture of where we should walk with God. They are at work in our lives. Amen? In verse number 22, again, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. Ooh. Hmm. The truth is, they don't want to be confused by the truth. They've already made up their minds and they don't even want to hear facts. They already got their minds made up of what they think should be the next steps in their life. Amen. I used to have a guy I worked with. He'd, we'd uh, be talking about something and have a difference. He said, don't confuse me at the facts. I already made up my mind. Well, that's the way the world sometimes looks at it. Amen. Since they refused to listen to the two uh, witnesses at work, sin blinds their eyes to the way that the will of God would have them to walk in their personal experience with him. When we speak the truth, they're, quickest, they're quick to say to us, no one's perfect. And since we can't prove otherwise, that shuts us up. So the next time somebody, you're talking to somebody, and you tell them the truth of God's word, they say, well, nobody's perfect. Let them know. How do you know that? Don't be afraid to stand up to that thought. Now, not that we're perfect, and not that we're going to be the one that stands up and, and shows them everything they need to do, but the thing of it is, they know that statement will end the conversation. All right? And that, you know, it's come up that way in our society today. Amen. If you want to get someone to just shut up and don't talk about whatever's, it don't matter. Just draw up any subject. You want, you want them to shut up and walk away? Just call them a racist. Yeah. Well, how can you prove you're not? You know? Amen. They can call anything they want or any other derogatory name that has no defense. But that doesn't change the truth. Amen? Even though we know in our hearts that we are innocent of that charge, they want proof of it or they want us to shut up and walk away. Amen? That's not how it works. It is to them, but that's not how truth works. The key to your defense against all that hate in this world is in verse number 23. They'll hate you just like they hated Jesus. And he said, what he said to them was the truth, and it was the truth that his father gave him. Amen. All right. Now, next time someone tells you, that, ah, uh, oh, you're just a racist, you're just a bigot, you're just a homophobe, you're just a E-I-E-I-E-I-O-O-O, whatever they want to charge you with, and no way you can prove different. Say, no, my Heavenly Father taught me not to be like that. I love everybody. So you can't lay that charge on me just because you're guilty of whatever charge you're trying to shut me up from talking about. 
Amen? Amen. What's the basis of the hate for God? I'll tell you what it is. Because Jesus did the works of his Father. And they couldn't do it. Not on their own strength. They were jealous. Envious. Because they couldn't do the same things that Jesus did. Amen? So then look at the, uh, what he had to say about that. In the end of that particular verse, verse number 25. They hated both me and my father. Amen. Hatred was the bottom line. And they hated without a cause. Amen. I can relate. So can any of you that have, if you would, took a stand for the truth. Amen. If I had five or six more hours, I could give you every example I can think of of what hate did and the cause behind it. Amen. But in verse 26, the scripture says, or Jesus is saying to his disciples, but, oh, we got past all the ifs now. We're down to the but. In other words, on the other hand is what that word means. But when the comforters come, uh-oh, truth is going to be recognized again. Amen. When the comforter comes, he's going to testify the truth of me. Amen. What is that called when you know the truth about what Jesus Christ can do in your life? That's called conviction. Amen. And I would venture to say that almost every Christian goes through that when they go from not being a Christian to becoming a Christian. Conviction usually is the motivation that gets you to see where you need to be with uh, Jesus Christ. Conviction is the two witnesses at work in your life. No matter how deep in sin you've gone in following the devil in the world, truth is still truth. And when you hear it, you'll know it. When the truth is sent to your conscience, it'll ring true in your heart. You know why? Because it came from the Father. I can't make up truth to get you to follow what God wants you to do. If you find truth, it came from God. Amen? God is truth. Amen? But nowadays, we have those that say they're Christians and drive around with yellow and orange license plates. That means they've had more than one DUI. Amen? Now, that's not a very good witness for Christ, but I, who am I to tell them what they're supposed to do, right? Because if I try to straighten them out and say, you shouldn't drink that much, amen? Not only will it get you in trouble with the law, I think it'll get you in trouble with God, amen? We have Christians that are quick to use language that's offensive not only to me, but I know God hates it. God doesn't want to hear that stuff. I don't even want to hear it. I had guys I worked with. That, man, by the time they got done talking, I stopped them and said, do you eat with that same filthy mouth? I mean, that would gag me if I knew that filth was in my mouth and I'm trying to eat a bologna sandwich. I can't do that. Amen. While the Holy Spirit is telling you not to do the things that the world promotes, 
we're ready to respond with a devilish quote of, mind your own business. It won't hurt me. I can handle it. And on and on they go. Amen? But that's just another lie that the devil in the world will tell you when you're not in the will of God, walking where the word of God and spirit of God need you to be in your life. Even if I thought I could handle it. Or that it wouldn't hurt me. There's a lot of things in this world I don't want to have any part with. Amen. Amen. Phil, as we were coming to church today, told me he's been uh, uh, 30 years clean. Is that right, brother? All right. I told him the last drink I had was on January 1st, 1971. 50 years ago since I've had a drink of anything with alcohol in it. Amen. There are some things that I can recognize by seeing the havoc it played in other people's lives. I don't want it in my life. Amen. Now, I wasn't even saved. I got saved five years after that. How about that stuff? You'd say, well, when you're a Christian, you know to give up. I didn't have to give up nothing because I, I gave that up even before I was a Christian. Amen. Because I knew some things just aren't meant to be. And even if I thought I could handle it. Yeah, that's what a lot of them, that's how the devil hooks you and lures you in. Well, you can handle it just a little bit. It won't hurt. Just, you know, a little wine, a little vodka, a little rum, a little bleh, whiskey or whatever. Next thing you know, you're a slobbering, stumbling drunk trying to drive a car with the police behind you with those funny lights on. Amen? They know what's going on. I need to get as far away from those lures of the devil as I can get. The Holy Spirit will tell you that in a New York second. That's pretty fast, isn't it? It don't take long for him to point out. You don't need to go there. You don't need that in your life. Amen. So when he says that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, when he's come, amen, I'm going to send him so I know he's coming. He will testify of me. Amen. Where's the truth come from? From the Father and from the Word. Amen. Amen. Verse 27, And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. Amen. So since you got saved, there should have been a life change take place. When you get born again, things should be different. Drop down into the next chapter, down in verse number 7. We're in, in, uh, still in John, chapter 16, verse 7. And it says there, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. How about that? Isn't that something that Jesus would tell us the truth? It's expedient for me that I go away. But if I go not away, the Comforter will not come. Amen. Now he's telling this to his disciples the day before he's crucified. We know that on the day of Pentecost, about 40 days later, the Holy Spirit fell in the upper room on the disciples there and they got out and began to take on the work of being the church Christ wanted to build. He says, I, he says, the comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I'll send him unto you. And when he come, 
Now, this is on the day of Pentecost. It was true. When you get born again, it's just as true. When the Holy Spirit becomes part of your life, when he come, he'll reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Hmm, those must be some pretty heavy truths that the guy, that the, the Holy Spirit needs to instill in our lives to get us. Amen? So no matter what anybody else says, we know Jesus is going to tell us the truth. Amen? Now, as he gets to his disciples, then, just as now, he's telling them, make sure you're ready to stand for the truth. And he promises the comforter, which is the second part, if you would, of the two witnesses, that he will comfort you, guide you, help you with all the choices you need to make when you walk as a child of God. All right? Now, Jesus names the three things he's going to guide us in and the process that this world is going to do and take care of if you would let them do that. Amen? Number one was sin. Hmm. Number two was righteousness. And number three was judgment. Now sin, we know what that does. That separates you from God. What righteousness? That's not of your own righteousness. That's of his righteousness in you. There's a difference. You need to study that out if you don't understand that. But it's, it's clear to me in the scripture, according to Matthew 25, at the final judgment, he says, the righteous will go get to be the Father, and everybody else has to go the other way. So righteousness is the dividing line also. And sin causes you to have to go the other way. And then he says, verse 3, of judgment. Now, what is that judgment? Now, look at the word judgment and see what follows. Oh, a colon. Now, we've talked to you about that. It means an add to that. So he adds to that of sin because they don't believe on it. They won't believe the truth. And so they're walking contrary to the word and the spirit. Of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. Now, that righteousness is only found in Christ. And if he hadn't gone to Father we wouldn't have known what righteousness is. Did you know that? Amen. Because it came to us because he fulfilled his mission at Calvary in his death, burial, and resurrection and ascension back to heaven. That was completing the will of God for his life. That's where the righteousness comes in. And then, of course, number 11, verse 11 says, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Amen. You can't get to the judgment and say, I didn't know. God's truth will make an impression on your heart because you'll know what sin is and you'll know what righteousness is and the judgment balances them. Amen? That's exactly what that means to us. Amen. So when we talk about sin... That's a separation from God because of your choices. When we talk about righteousness, that's the right choices. And that's the fact that we choose to be redeemed and reconciled back to God. Or 
born again or whatever term, saved or whatever term you want to put on that, is when we accept Christ as our Savior. And judgment, because the devil's wrong and God's right. Amen? So when we see these things through the eyes of God, the world will look a lot different to us. Amen? Will the world hate you? Yes, just like they hated Jesus. But we must take a stand for the truth of God or we'll fall for the lies of the world and the devil. Now, if the two witnesses are at work in your life, they're all around us all the time. It's God's promises to his church that they'll keep us and guide us because his word says so. But brother, dude, you don't know what I'm going through. That might be true. I don't. But the word of God and the spirit of God they know you. They know you better than I do. They've assured us that we can walk where we need to walk. In 1 John, the first chapter, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, look at there, but if. Both of those words appear together. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Hmm. So, quit feeling sorry for yourself because no one loves you. Or because you got it rough as a Christian, your neighbors make fun of you. And when you pray, they laugh. When you sing, they stick their tongue out. When you do things, go to church, they think you're wasting your time. But that's not true. Jesus loves you. God loves you. The true church loves you. The two witnesses love you. Although the world and the devil hate you, it's time for you to choose what team you want to represent. And put on the uniform to fight for the victory that only comes by living the truth. Amen? The game's not over yet. But I've read the final chapter and the saints win. So get involved. Amen? The victory is ours for the having. Amen? I like the song we sang. We have a hope. Where'd that hope come from? Not from within ourselves, but it came from walking as the Word and the Spirit gave us the truth we need to know. We need to choose the right path in our lives and be what God wants us to be. And remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy. Just worth it.